It's a beautiful day in paradise, and this is Debbie coming to you from sunny South Florida. I know my friends up north think that's ridiculous, but it is absolutely a beautiful day here today, and the sun is shining, and it's lovely, and I'm, I'm really happy. This is a fun show. A lot of times we have a serious conversation about things, but today, a little bit of serious, but a lot, a lot of laughs. And I want to thank my special guest, Kim McIntyre, for being here, coming to us all the way from sunny Orlando. (laughs) Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Debbie. It's my pleasure. Well, I've got to say, this has been a very interesting week for me. My mom had a little spill on Saturday Mm. night. She'd gone to a concert, had a lovely time with my dad, was walking to her car, got about 10 feet away from the car and tripped over one of those concrete barriers in the parking lot. Yeah. The face plant landed on her cheek, ended up in the hospital. And it's the one day that my dad did not have his cell phone with him. So I got a phone call on Sunday morning, 730 from St. Mary's Hospital. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Mom's okay. She looks horrendous. But I opened up my neighborhood news yesterday and I got to page 39, which is towards the end. And it was the joke of the month. And it says, chivalry is not dead. My wife got stung by a bee on the cheek last night. She's still in the ER today. Her face is all swollen and bruised and she almost died. Lucky for her, I was close enough to hit the bee with my shovel. (laughs) Oh, I I know it's inappropriate. I'm reading that and I'm just laughing because I'm visualizing my mother looking like she got hit with a shovel and my dad telling that joke. (laughs) <laughs> so mom yeah. I'm really sorry you're going to be listening to this and I know you feel horrible but you got to find some humor in the awful and uh oh my gosh there's yeah. there's humor in the awful and Kim we're going to jump into this because I got to tell you I did my research and I was laughing I was laughing <laughs> good good oh, let's get into this a little bit I love to start my show very briefly with who you are, my guest, where did you grow up and what was your family situation like? Oh, so I grew up in a town that women's history buffs will know the name of. It's Seneca Falls, New York, and it's where the first women's rights convention was held. I think 1848. I think I've got my year right. And uh, yeah, but the funny thing is when I was growing up, it was the remnants of the building was a laundromat with a little plaque in front that said first women's rights convention held here right in front of the laundromat sign (laughs) and my mom and i used to go and do laundry there (laughs) now it is a beautiful historic park you know they they, it's no longer a laundromat and parking garage it's a beautiful historic park uh yeah but i i grew up in that town um i was kind of like the tail end of the family so um, people would think I was a mistake, but I really wasn't. My parents had me on purpose. I think my mom sensed the empty nest coming because my oldest brother was going to graduate high school. And so, yeah, so my older siblings are quite a bit older than me. And so, yeah, my parents said, um, they had me to keep them young and I'm not really sure I succeeded in that, but I tried. Well, we would say that was probably an oops, but maybe not. It was a no, no, it was a very specifically not an oops. It was on purpose, or at least that's what they told me. So, (laughs) well, that's fun. Uh, Are your parents still with you? 
No, no, they've, they passed away. My dad passed away in 1990 back just a few months, actually, before my husband and I got married. So um, that was kind of a bittersweet time, you know, but I, I kind of felt his presence there, you know, with us at the wedding. And uh, my mom just passed away um, in 2019. Oh, well, yeah. And I, you know, like part of me was like, she was 97. So she'd lived a nice, good, long life, you know, but I can't imagine she was starting to lose some of her memory and her access to her memory and her understanding. She's a little confused a lot. I think she was the beginnings of dementia. And I, I think the COVID thing would have been a lot for her to deal with. You know, my brother lived with her and took care of her. Um, but it would have, I think it would have been a lot for her. So maybe it was a blessing that, and we had a celebration of her life in February of 2020 and the family came from all over the country and oh my goodness, a month later, we wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, because everything was in lockdown. So, um, the timing of that was beautiful too. And yeah. yeah. Uh, quick question. Mm -hmm. Dad or mom have a sense of humor? Uh, yeah. Um, they did have a sense of humor, but I think the person who had the best sense of humor in my, in my family was my brother, Lee. He still does have a sense of humor and he would always crack me up and I would crack him up and we still do that to this day. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. I, I asked that question because my, my dad just turned 93 and I interviewed him for the show. And mm -hmm. within a minute, his, I can see his brain going, he always thinks funny. And I'm thinking, right, that's oh, great. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful. We got to get you guys together. But I was thinking, how am I going to get through this show? Because <laughs> everything was funny. But I, as you, I will know when my parents are on the way out, when that sense of humor goes, mm. that is what keeps him going. And it just cracks me up. Just thinking, I just talked to him this morning and it just, just thinking about my dad makes me laugh. Uh, and just hearing his voice and hearing the jokes and hearing incredible memory. And I think a lot of it comes from finding the fun in life. Yes. Yes. Which leads me, my friend, to why do we become so serious as we get older? We're losing the fun. We are losing the fun. And we're told that that is being a grown up, right? <laughs> you know, don't mess around. Don't be silly. Don't, you know, don't, 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 don't. And, um, I mean, yes, there's, there's times when humor is appropriate maybe and times when it isn't, but having, having that sense of humor and having the joy that flows out of that is part of the sweetness of life. And if we get so serious, we can forget all that. And it just leads to stress piled on top of stress piled on top of stress. And I, I went through a period of my life where I completely forgot about that as well. And I was pretty miserable. <laughs> You know, well, I'm, I was writing down notes about the show and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about my grandchildren and there's great joy, but there mm -hmm. are times when, and, and I think about what our parents used to say, children are supposed to be seen, not heard, you know, stop running around, stop being, make, stop making so much noise, driving me crazy. All those, like you said, don't, don't, don't. But I remember hearing you say when you were 12, you, you were really shy when you were a kid. I can hardly believe that now. Yeah, I was super shy. What was the incident that got you through that? What made, what brought you? Joy oh, well, well, I got bit by the theater bug. Yeah. 
definitely got bit by the theater bug and found out that I was very, very funny and um, got my whole, you know, school. And I'd been bullied, verbally bullied up to that point, like in fourth grade, like this bully girl got the whole class not to talk to me. And it was just a very rough time in like the fourth grade. But then in sixth grade, I got cast in this play and they wanted to cast me in one of the leads. And I was like, no, but this part here is funny and I can do this funny part. And so it was like a funny gag throughout the whole show. And I got a standing ovation at the end when I came out for my own solo a little bit. And that was it. I was hooked. And then from then on, I'm like, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to go into theater. I'm going to be an actress, you know, and, and my family was kind of, I think, I hope that I would grow out of it. Cause I was pretty smart. And like, <laughs> I remember going to one of like a college interview and the guy is going, are you sure you don't want to go to our med program, you know, our med, pre-med. And I was like, no, I want to be an actress. Um, and I don't, I feel like for me, it was sort of therapeutic because I got to inhabit these different characters that were very outgoing and very playful or very mean or whatever. I got to like act out all these different things. And I, I did go to college for theater and it was, it was like my development as a person really, you know, and I felt like, it got me out because I wanted it so badly. It pushed me out of my comfort zone again and again and again. And I feel like that stayed with me um, throughout my life, really, that the value of that. The naysayers, I mean, your parents could have shut it down. Not really. <laughs> but they, they could have, but they didn't. They didn't. Um, I mean, I suppose they were paying for my college education. So they could have said, no, you have to major in something else or whatever. But I think even if I had majored in something else, I still would have been auditioning for the theater department's plays. You know, I mean, I don't think that they could see it in me, that they, that was not something they could shut down. And I was always involved in activities like that, in addition, that were like sort of theater adjacent, like, the, you know, band, marching band and the jazz band and the choral groups and the, you know, color guard and all that. Like, I was like, I was like a workaholic you know, teenager <laughs> with all the different things. And I was the drum majorette and all that. So um, that was definitely, um, there was a lot of aliveness in that for me. And then trying to make it as an actress in New York kind of beat me down a bit. Um, I did get some professional work, but it was really, really hard. And, um, and it was hard for me to, even though my intuition at some point was telling me to let it go, and to move on to other things, which I was finding more fulfilling, it was hard to let it go because then it's like I'm making everybody who had said, oh, it's so hard. I was making them all right, you know? So I um, want to do that, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that I went to college with and it was a small state school, but they're out there still working, you know? There, I see them every now and then pop up on TV or wherever. And I'm like, oh, good for you. Or they're out there still doing theater or whatever. I, a good, good friend from college just uh, finished a run of a show that he wrote. It was produced at the public theater in New York City, you know, and, and I'm so proud of him and I'm so glad they stuck with it. But for me, I was feeling a calling to explore other things. So I did. Yeah, okay, well, that's fun because um, I like you. I wasn't really into the theater part of it, but I love the music part. Oh yeah, and the band, but the the singing and the choral groups and that was that was joy for me. Um, so just on a quick side note, folks, I want at some point after the show, guys, go to um, 
go to Kim's website and it's called called joyfulbeing.com joyfulbeing.com and look up the 10 powerful questions because the very first one is what song can be your joyful self anthem and I was thinking (laughs) this morning my song this comes from my father my my dad loved ABBA oh really oh my god don't tell my husband he's he is like he is so (laughs) anti-ABBA my husband <laughs> oh well so is mine but you know who cares because my favorite yeah. my favorite song there is called right. chance on me oh it's a good song yeah and i hear it the foot starts tapping in the you know chance I, on me yeah <laughs> and i actually i think i was gonna do that one i was talking to you about women's prosperity network and the unconference we had a group of girls up in orlando and we did that song we all dressed up and it was just hysterical and part of you is kind of like, yeah. but as a group, everybody, we got some really theatrical ladies and some that are just like bookworms, but everybody started to laugh and sing. And I was like, why do we shut ourselves down from this? Yeah. That's yeah. Fun. But you actually did for a while. You, you got into some funky relationships, which took you away from being really joyful. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, my early twenties were not a lot of fun. <laughs> So, yeah, and I did um, sort of my wake up call relationship was with a a kind of tormented young man who was addicted to cocaine. And he was when he would get high and then drink, he was very verbally abusive. And I um, I finally ran away from from it. I mean, I tried to leave several times and every time he'd pull me back by saying tapping into my rescuer complex going if you, if you leave me, I'll die, you know? And as though that was, I realized I, I, I left him. He did go to treatment in that time. In that in-between time, I did a lot of reading. I went to some, you know, Al-Anon meetings and realized, you know, well, first of all, my temp, talk about a, a, a divine moment. My temp agency, when I was still with him, sent me to answer phones in the wing of a rehab hospital. And I was like answering the phones and around me was all of this information from Al-Anon and stuff for families. And I was like reading that while I was like not, you know, it was every now and then somebody would call. I was mostly just sitting there and I would reading it going, it was just like a light bulb going, oh, he was on this path long before I ever came into his life. I really, it's not my job to save him, you know? And it, and part of me was like, why do I even want to be with him if he's treating me this way? And so it was like, it was like a wake up call. And I went not long after that, I did leave the relationship. But then I was so worried that he was going to die that I like called this hotline. And the lady on the hotline was like, give me this pep talk. No, don't you go back. You take care of you. And I don't know if she was supposed to say all that, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. And I ended up staying. But then like several months later, I found out he was in rehab. So I went back and it was horrible. It was almost like he was punishing me for having left him in the first place. And the day I got on the plane to go back home, because I'd gone to flu to visit him for a couple of weeks, it was like this relief washed over me. And it was really though, a gratitude moment because it sparked my own inner journey of what do I really need for myself? What is, you know, what is self-care is a word that's modern word. I didn't really use that then, but what do I really need for myself? And it was, it was a powerful moment. Um, 
and a couple of years later, I, I met my husband and, and, you know, we've, we've learned how to, you had to learn how to be a healthy couple. I mean, we did anyway, because it wasn't necessarily communication skills and stuff like that weren't necessarily understood by our parents' generation. And they were just like, you know, push through and just do stuff, you know, and they didn't really necessarily, my, my parents didn't communicate all that well with each other. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. They, you know, they loved each other. There was a lot of love, but there was not so much with the communication. So, um, so we've learned that over the years and then we become stronger because we wanted to grow together. And that was like my bottom line of what I wanted in a spouse was someone who was willing to grow and expand and be on a journey with me, you know. Well, it's interesting you're talking about that. I just ordered the five love languages, but uh, yeah, um, I've read it before. But as I was looking at for it online, I, I saw the one uh, for children, five love languages for children. So I ordered them to give to my son and his wife and my daughter and her, and her kids. And also for me as a grandparent, because I'm, I'm realizing that they're in special situations right now. You know, uh, my mo- daughter's a single mom. So seeing the relationship of the kids with their dad, which is, it is, uh, but I'm trying to realize what can I, as a grandparent do and what are my grandchildren's love, love languages? I, and I realized that, you know, I was married to Lou for 26 years. And when he passed away, I was by myself for a few years, but when I met CJ, for some reason, I, I reached out to hold his hand. And Lou and I never held hands ever, mm-hmm. really. I was always behind him because I had four kids and, you know, trying to keep up with him. He's six foot four. CJ had never really held hands. And he tells me today, we've been married seven years now, that that was an awkward moment for him. But all of a sudden, it's like he, he, he'll grab my hand now when we go out or we'll, yeah. sit, we'll sit together and hold hands. And reading the book, I realized my love language, my safety and security is that physical touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm looking at the grandchildren. There were times when, of course, my physical touch, I wanted to like string them up, but it's, <laughs> it's playing with them in the water of Hawaii, you know, swimming with them or in the pool or, yeah. water, but being around them and, and feeling them. And, and, and it's just, it was lovely. And then I started thinking that that's what we need to learn. And now it just had, I dawned, it just dawned on me how in the world I could get into a two-year online relationship and not have that for two years. And then it turned out to be a scam. Well, hello, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it wasn't in person. It wasn't physical in person. So I should have listened to my gut, but joy comes from understanding those love languages. And yes, for sure. That's definitely a part of it. Like what, what lights you up as a person? Yeah but it lights you up. Not right. Exactly. And it's also knowing if you're going to give joy, what lights the other person up, you know? Yeah. So we talked, we talked at the beginning of the show where find those things that light you up. Mm -hmm. And for me right now, going into the holidays, I love Hallmark movies and everything. Ah, I don't care what anybody else says. I love Hallmark movies. And I started watching one the other day and I couldn't watch the whole thing. So I recorded it. And CJ comes home and he looks at recordings. He goes, why are you watching a Hallmark movie? It's, it's Halloween. <laughs> part of me got small. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not like, ooh, I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't have watching it. And then I was like, well, darn it. I like Hallmark movies. They make me happy. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So why are we so quick to make ourselves small when someone else says, hmm, that's, that's not joy. It's not joy to them, but it's joy to us. How do we gain our power back to say, I like it and do it? How is just to make that choice to know? Well, first of all, you have to know what it is you like. And I think a lot of people don't. So they end up getting more influenced by other people because they don't really know. Like, you know, you like Hallmark movies and, you know, it's like somewhere deep inside of us, we know what we like, but we are afraid of people's judgments or we get lose, lose track of it in all of the stuff that happens and piles on in life that joy just feels really, really far away. And they, and they think joy has to be some big, huge thing instead of like a simple thing, like watching a Hallmark movie, you know, joy doesn't always have to be jumping up and down. Woohoo! You know, it can be, but it doesn't have to be, it can be small, simple joys of life. And yeah. So I think it's making a choice, making a decision to reclaim those things for yourself, no matter what other people think, you know, and knowing, knowing what it is for you, just like knowing your love languages, it's knowing what brings you joy. It's knowing what makes you laugh. It's, it's self-awareness about what, what that part of you that is joyful and alive really needs, because sometimes we shut it back in a little, you know, I don't have time for you now. I got to do all these things. Right. <laughs> yeah, I feel, so, We get caught up in the busyness of life. And I think yeah. maybe as I've found, as I get older, it's easier to say no. Mm -hmm. other things and and I'm putting myself around people that are more aware of what's going on for them and we're talking about it more than our mothers ever did you know definitely it was give 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 take care of everybody else you do all this stuff well then the caregiver becomes ill so now it's take a pause and I love that you say that take a pause Mm -hmm. and think about what brings you joy, not your spouse, not your boyfriend, not your sp- your partners, whoever, not your kids. Cause we all yeah. want to please everybody else. Yes. But how can we do that without feeling guilty? Where's that coming from? <laughs> the guilt. Yes. The guilt. Oh my gosh. It is so prevalent. I run into it over and over and over again with people like, Oh, like we should be like productive 24 seven, or we're like wasting time. Right. Or we're lazy or like, there's all these judgments that go on top of us. And it's just like, I just want to say to the judgments, you know, like, (laughs) and it's so funny. Like I, I have my best friend and I are, we do that for each other. And she called me one day and she was going through this really, really tough time, like really tough circumstances with her kids and with stuff. And she called up and she's like, hi, Kimmy. And she just went, Bleh. and I was like, then I, I mirrored it back for her. I was like, Bleh. and then she was like, Bleh. and I was like, Bleh. it was like, Bleh. And then we're like laughing hysterically at the blah Um, and being able to laugh in the face of that was like so beautiful. And, you know, I can describe it, but you kind of had to be there, you know, but it's having the people in your life like that, that can help you find the humor in the midst of the blah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and give yourself permission. So um, one day, I, I like she, that part. Give yourself one day. Permission. She called me and she was like, she couldn't give herself permission. She's a therapist. She works really, really hard, long hours, you know, dealing with very intense stuff with people. And there is a water park. That's a five minute drive from her house. And she called me. She's like, Kimmy, 
can I have your permission to go get an uh, annual pass to this water park so that she could go and float on the lazy river when a client cancels on her and then right hop right back to her office if she needs to, you know? And I was like, yes, of course you have my permission, you know, but it's like giving ourselves that permission is really important. And I found early on when I was um, doing speaking and doing trainings with people around the topic of laughter, then at the beginning, I had to say, to people for the next hour, hour, half, however long we were together, I'd say, you need to give yourself permission to play like your little kid again. And once I said those magic words, it was fun. It was like, like all the resistance was gone. And I had a room full of big kids, you know, I had a room full of big kids. And, but if I didn't say that, it would take longer to warm people up. So the permission piece is really important. And if they need to like write yourself a permission slip, you know, if you need to physically see that and look at it and go, I give myself permission to watch Hallmark movies or whatever it is, you know, that that's, that's so important to have that permission because when you're giving yourself permission, you're letting go of that beat up that you should be doing something else that there's something wrong with enjoying yourself. And honestly, on your deathbed, nobody says, oh, I wished I'd check more things off my to-do list. The sweetness of life is in those moments where that are precious to you that matter, which are about connecting with things you enjoy, connecting with other human beings, laughing, doing, doing the things that just light you up. That's, that's the richness of life. And, and we don't, it's also giving yourself permission to let that bleed into everything in your life and not just be something you do on vacation, you know, or something like, oh, I'm on vacation. I paid all this money. Then I have permission to enjoy myself uh, one week out of the year. Hmm. Sounds a little limiting to me. <laughs> so well, it's creating the memories. And I'm thinking, as we're talking, I'm thinking of the things that I normally would not have done, but I was, my daughter's really good about Say, yeah. mom, just do this, do this. And uh, we've done some crazy things together, but had such joy. But I remember I was out in Dallas with them, with my grandkids, and we were at the playground. And of course, the kids are acting like little monkeys and doing their fun stuff. And, and we got to the jungle gym. And, my, and Jenny goes, Mom, you think you can hang from your knees again? <laughs> might hurt tomorrow, but what the heck? Why not? So mm -hmm. I jumped up there. Next thing I know, I'm hanging from my knees upside down, and the grandkids are laughing their guts out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, oh, I just thought it was a, a it hurt the next day just because you know use muscles yeah. I had used, but I was like I wasn't thinking about that I would want I wanted to prove to myself I could still do it mm. it's like zip lining with a for you yeah my friend Cece and I were zip lining in uh in uh Jamaica a couple years ago she'd never done it before scared to death I'm like come on come on it's fun it's fun I said flip upside down and I flipped upside down she goes are you kidding I said no <laughs> just try it <laughs> It's just get out of your comfort zone. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I love how you say, give yourself permission because we're normally so reserved. Me, I'll sit in the back of the room. I want to watch everybody else. Right. Yeah. 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 It's sad if you don't jump on it. Right. Yeah. I remember um, I was at a networking event, like, I guess it was 2019. And one of the speakers said, it's, 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 it's similar similar to give yourself permission. It's like making a decision, right? I'm deciding is much stronger than saying, oh, I kind of wish, 
you know, saying I've decided. And, um, the next day I woke up and I was like, I've decided, right. I've decided that I am great at networking and I enjoy it. And I'm just, and I'm just going to go and have the best day to be a, and I, I went and I was just walking up to people and introducing myself and having these amazing conversations that if I hadn't made that decision, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done. I would have sat back, like you said, and just kind of observed or whatever. And, and I love that conference too, because they also, as part of the breaks, you know how they, you have bathroom breaks or whatever, they had a little dance floor and they had a DJ. And so on the bathroom breaks, we would all be dancing. And I think that also helped. It was just so much playful to go out there and dance with people and have fun and move your body. And I think all conferences should do that because like that, that energizes you again, to be able to go sit through the next PowerPoint or whatever, you know? So, um, yeah, but I think that that deciding and giving yourself permission, deciding to give yourself permission, you know? Yeah. I, and it comes with practice because we were talking earlier about the women's prosperity network unconference that I went to up in Orlando. They do that. They have music all the time. And I, I sit all amazed because I don't normally do it. There are some gals that'll just get up there and shake their booty. And I'm thinking, you go, girl. Yeah. That's not me. I don't have that boogie in my blood. Put me in a swimming pool. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I'm yeah. Doing that on the, on the, you know, white girl can't dance. And maybe <laughs> I learned, you know, from that one ballet class that you can't do it. Well, it's very limiting, but my inside wants to do it. It's my outside doesn't do it. Right, so right. How do we, I guess it's that, that permission, give ourselves. If, but, but. Don't who, look silly, right? Who decides what good dancing is and isn't, you know? I mean, you could just stand on the dance floor and just stand and sway to the music. That's all. That's, you just, just, it doesn't have to be like. You don't have to be the greatest dancer in the world to enjoy yourself, you know? And that's the same thing with humor that I tell people is you don't have to be a funny, hysterical comedian, you know? If you just try a silly joke, a silly pun, a silly anything, as long as your intention is good and your intention is to lift the other person up and not put them down, yeah. That intention will be appreciated. Even if the person rolls their eyes at your joke, they will appreciate the attempt and that builds stronger connections between people. I find I do that with my youngest son who I'm <laughs> talking, he's gotten into these YouTube shorts and it's all about golf. And what's really cool is he doing it. He's doing it because his grandpa, my dad wrote a book called swing and sway with Dr. J. My dad remembers every golf shot. He's had eight holes in ones. You name it, he remembers it. So he wrote this book and he says, my wish is to have one of my 11 grandchildren to read it from start to finish. Well, uh -huh. Maddie has done that. And as he's done it, he calls up grandpa and talks about the chapters. Well, he also got the golf bug. So now he gets out there and he takes these short, goofy, short YouTube videos and I'm, I'm, he sends them to me every time he goes to post when he sends it to me. And there might be a little toot at the end or something that I would find a little bit inappropriate, but it makes him laugh. Mm -hmm. and, and I start to laugh and I'm thinking, you go, if this makes you happy and brings you joy. Right. Yeah. 5,400 people like it, then go for it because now you've made those 5,400 people laugh. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, taking, taking a risk with humor can sometimes feel vulnerable, especially if you're a little bit of an introvert, like I am, it's like putting yourself out there can feel vulnerable. But like you said earlier, it's about getting out of your comfort zone. And I just know the value of that. And it doesn't have to be like wildly outside of your comfort zone. It can just be a tiny bit outside of your comfort zone. But, you know, I've picked this up also. My husband, there are no strangers in my husband's world. So he will try to make people, (laughs) he will try to make people laugh, like at the grocery store, right? You know, he'll, he will make that extra effort to reach out and talk to the grocery store clerk or to the person delivering a package to our house or whatever. And it might be just a simple, thank you, have a great day. But it also, if there's a moment that he sees to like make them laugh, or the person on the phone, he like always is like with the person on the phone. He's like, they're like, do you want anything else? Uh, world peace, please. You know, like he'll just something silly like that. And the person will be like, oh, either, you know, it's interesting to see their reactions. Either they'll like, it'll go over their head or be, or they'll be like, well, I'm working on that. Or, you know, like they'll, they'll respond in such a way, but it just builds a different kind of connection. Yeah. He would love my father. The two of them, my dad works. Yeah. For me. He does the phones for our company and I'm standing there behind them sometimes going, Oh my gosh, dad, the customer does not understand your sense of humor. I'm dying in the background, but I know the <laughs> customer's going, what doctor, what are you talking about? Dr. Jack, but it's a gift to be, able but, to- but he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not going to take that as a rejection and not do it anymore, you know? So there's some resiliency there in persistence in the humor gene, whatever he has, but, (laughs) but, but we can all develop that as a skill, you know, but in, in a kind sort of way, I've been to comedy clubs, not a lot. And some of them I find to be a little bit on the rude side and, and it's self-deprecating, but also can be very negative towards other people. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about oh. joy. Exactly. Honest, open joy in the right. Living. Right. Yeah. And by the same token, I, I agree with you. I don't like the put down humor much. There are some, some people who they have like an affectionate form of zinging the other person. It's usually guys. Okay. <laughs> it's usually guys. Um, and that actually shows that actually builds bonds of connection sometimes with them. If it's the right people doing that together, um, it's sort of like a trading barbs back and forth in a funny way. That's a connection, but then they don't realize that that's not appropriate in all situations. And then someone else takes offense and they're like, Oh, don't be so sensitive. I was only kidding. And they don't realize well, they should just say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. You know, like yeah. that there's different types of humor. And so um, it's so funny. I put out an email to my list last week about how do you cringe or do you laugh? And it was like, I had started watching The Office and like the first season just made me cringe. I was like all that inappropriate humor and it was just uncomfortable. And I actually had three people unsubscribe from my list that I didn't, I don't know. It's like, did they unsubscribe because they love the office and I don't, you know, like, and that's okay. It's okay. You know, some people do find humor in that, in those comics that are a bit, obviously they're out there doing it. And if that's making them laugh, okay. But when you're trying to share laughter with another person on a one-on-one basis, your intention matters. And if it's about lifting the other person up, and not putting them down, 
um, with the exception of that other type of humor that I mentioned, if appropriate. Right. But even that, it's sort of, there's an affection in it, you know, if, if, you know, you see people doing it and there's kind of an affection to it, but they don't understand that not everyone finds affection in that kind of humor <laughs> that they would take offense or feel put down. I don't like receiving that kind of humor. Yeah. And, you know, there was, but there were times where I would just, you know, say, you know, don't make fun of me, you know, and that's it. And they would like go, oh, I'm, I didn't know. I'm like, whatever, you know, I, I don't like that. And then they don't do it with me anymore. Cause they, you know, I'd say, you know, that's, I don't prefer, I prefer not to do that, you know, so. Yeah. But you you're, pretty, you're brave to be able to stand up to that. A lot of folks and, and many of the women that I um, surround myself with in our support group, they've had such um, a really traumatic event happen in their lifetime. Yes. And yes. they're not in a good place um, to even accept humor. I think in, in sometimes they, they, they can't find funny in anything. And there it's a lot life is negative because they just they're at a spot where the bad is overshadowing any good. So how do you help rise from that spot? What are the steps to move out of that? And yeah, I hear you. And and part of it is if you're trying for joy and laughter where from where you're at, that may be too big a step, right? So a smaller step that's in the right direction might be. How can I do something that is soothing to me or comforting to me? Or how can I reach out for some support that feels cozy or feels like I'm receiving some warmth to just let those kind of things in first, you know, to, to make, and that may not feel like a small step that may, that in itself may feel like a big step, but it's a step towards that. So expecting yourself to feel joyful when you've just been through a horrendous thing is not so easy. But if you are stepping towards something that is self-care related, you know, that is, could be a cup of hot tea, mm. a warm blanket around you, a Hallmark movie, something that is soothing to you, then you're more open in the long run to head in that direction. But I feel like expecting yourself to go from zero to 60 like that with laughter or joy may be too big of a jump if you're going through something like that. So, and, and then if you can't get there, then you beat yourself up. But, oh, why can't I feel joy? There's something wrong with me. I can't feel joy. And you've just been through something horrible, you know? So instead surround yourself with, with support and soothing and comfort as much as you can. And if you're reaching out to people and having conversations, like we are 30 times more likely to laugh when we're with other people than when we're by ourselves. So choose those people wisely, right? Choose the people who are more uplifting if you can find them. If not, look for them on YouTube, look for them wherever you can find them and, and find those connections with people. And that will also lead you naturally, organically in that direction because the humor that comes out of natural conversation is there as well. If that makes sense. It does. It's been very difficult during the pandemic too. Was yeah. difficult because we were so isolated. And and I look going back to my mom, I've seen the change in her. She was a very social person and mm -hmm. doing for others, her giving acts of service were, were her love languages. And that all got squashed, you know, yeah. because she couldn't get out of the house. And then it slowed down her activity and that's led to falling and all that stuff. But I'm thinking so many of us were, were looking for 
friendship companionship online ended up getting us in some deep water money. Yeah. Uh, and it's very difficult to get out of that because now that we're starting to come out, you're a little bit afraid, afraid of yourself, afraid of your, you know, your own mm. doing anything. You're afraid of that. And I love the little parts because as you were talking about those things that make us comfortable, I, again, I just read in the love languages for children said a blanket and I think about those little blankets, my daughter, I mean, I remember going from a big blanket with her as she got older, washed and washed and washed. I think now it's got down to about a square, um, uh-huh. but it's those little things. It's those little stuffed animals that exactly you get older. You want to, you know, you can't have those on my bed anymore. So you hide them. Um, but those special things that bring you comfort and safety. Yes, definitely. I loved collecting stuffed animals as a kid and I still have them and in our, our TV on more in our bedroom underneath the TV, there's all these little faces on this shelf looking out at me. And if I need to go and snuggle one, they're, they're there. I usually end up snuggling my cats instead because they're there and they're live and they're purring, you know, they give me more feedback, but just seeing those little faces makes me smile. You know, I wake up in the morning and, Oh, here's my little faces looking at me. I don't have as huge a collection as I did as a kid, but <laughs> I, found, I found joy in sending a couple hundred baby babies to kids in Ukraine. <laughs> oh, lovely. That's yeah, but I, had yeah. a, I had a hard time doing that originally. It was like, oh, but I need to save them for the kids. I need to save them for the grandkids because they, they meant some, a little bit of something to me. And then after a while, I'm thinking, you know what? Think about the kids that are going to receive those. Yes. They yes. need them a whole lot more than any of our kids here needed them. And that brought joy, that yeah. act of giving away brought joy. Uh, so that's something we can do. Look around. Maybe there's something in our home that is not bringing us joy anymore. Yes. Yes, for sure. Regift. Regift. <laughs> with, with joy, with a note, a handwritten note. How many, how many handwritten notes are we getting these days? Not very many. It's, I think that makes it extra special, you know? to be able to do that these days. I think people really appreciate that because everything is email or text or voicemail and to actually get something physically you can hold in your hand, you know, even if it's a a birthday card or whatever, you know, it's just, it's even if it's just, Hey, I'm thinking about you, you know, I love to have the grandkids draw pictures because they're very artistic. (laughs) I said, send that to your grandma, your great grandma. To your great grandma, and she puts them on a refrigerator. That's great. Come to visit, yeah. It, it, but it it fosters their creativity, mm-hmm. but it links them together in a way that an email or something, which she wouldn't necessarily see, would it doesn't bring her joy. Um, so those are the things that that we could do if we're sitting home alone. Yeah, I actually have a. I picked this hobby up a few years ago. I have a mandala coloring book, yeah. a couple of coloring books, and it just, I find it very soothing. It puts me very much in the moment. I just, I have a little system where I have the pencils that I'm working with for that particular drawing. And I put in a little pencil case so I can come back to it later. And I'll just like one mandala every now and then I'll sit and do it for a little while and then I'll put it away. And then sometimes I get towards the end and I'm like, I'm finishing this mandala tonight, you know, but, and it brings me joy 
to just, I have this one mandala book and I've been working on it for about five years. It's, I haven't done them all because I just do them a little bit at a time when I feel like it. It's just a hobby. You know, people have different hobbies. Like, like there's a woman in my Facebook group who likes to, she's taken up, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like you're you're making rugs with a little rug. Like cooking. Yeah, but it's like they're art pieces with these rugs, you know, or, you know, all these different, there's so many different things, like maybe take up a new hobby or maybe remember what did I like to do as a kid, you know, and then do that. That's, that's one of those 10 questions you can, <laughs> I think there's something like that. And one of the 10 questions you can get on my website to help remember what brings you joy. And I used to love to ride my bike as a kid. And so I went a few years ago and I got a pink bicycle, <laughs> a pink bicycle that I take out and ride around the neighborhood. And it just, I make, it makes me smile to get on my pink bicycle, you know, because you have it, a little, a little ringer bell. Ding, ding, ding. I do have a little ringer bell. I do. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have the little things hanging from the handlebars anymore, but I do have, <laughs> I do have the bell. But it's fun just to get out there and get you, you know, it's got to get the endorphins going because you're in the fresh air and you're in grateful. Fresh air, yes. And it's, it's, well, I'm actually going to read some of these questions, but I want everybody to go to your website, joyfulbeing.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because it is what, what's the music, you know, think for me, it's music. Uh, what activities light you up? I actually put here swimming. I noticed that water is a big thing with me, not rough water, but like, Laying in the ocean in Hawaii, looking over at the mountains. That was oh, nice. cool for me. Um, listening to my father tell stories. It's funny. Uh, here, what environments feel yummy to you? I write home. I love being home. I love traveling, but I love coming yeah. home. Uh, what words do you associate with feelings of joy? You know what? Mine came up with baking cookies. Oh, how nice. Yeah. And CJ laughs, he goes, you're stress baking. And it's not stressful for me. I love doing it. And I'll have one or two and I give them away. Yeah. I'd say for me, it's playful. I love to play games. Like games? Um, the one my husband and I like to play is heads up. It's on the phone and it's like a guessing game. Okay. And I have found that, that things that are in inter- inter- games that are interactive, they tend to um, stimulate more connection and more laughter then, you know, Monopoly and stuff like that's great, you know, especially if you're playing it with people that you really enjoy spending time with. And it's then it's about more than just the game, but games that are naturally interactive, like guessing games or, you know, Pictionary, things like that, they tend to make more um, laughter naturally happen because you're putting yourself in a situation to try to do something silly, you know, and and, and one thing that's, that's one of the ways I got, I, I, I somehow I skipped this in my story this time when I, I almost never do is that, um, I was in a health challenge back in 2001 and that's how I got on this whole path was I had been so stressed and so everything had been so heavy up until that point in my life, in my twenties and into my thirties. And the health challenge led me to go to this support group called getting well. And we did, you know, we had like group talk time. We had art therapy. We had different things that we did that would get us out of the pain that we were in and, or the fear that we were in about our health challenges. And, but the one thing that like spoke to me and retapped me into that whole playful kid that I was, 
was we would do laughter and play therapy every day and we would play games and we would not keep score. Now I that love, is I love how you said that. Say why? Why do you not keep because and and I'm not saying there's some people for whom not keeping score is like too big a stretch because they're competitive and like that's the thing. But you know, there's this whole thing of like work hard, play hard. Well, like why play hard? Why not play fun? You know, um <laughs> and that that competitive thing can get the stress going for people and can make you frustrated or make you irritated or and instead if you're just playing for the sake of play there is none of that it is about the connection it is about creating fun it is about creating laughter and that naturally flows when you don't keep score when there is no timer to, you know, no timer with a sand running down to like stress you out and you're just playing for the sake of play. And if you watch kids play, like you watch your grandkids play, they're playing for the sake of play. They're playing for the fun of it. They're, they, you know, they may or may not keep score, but it kind of doesn't matter, you know? Well, so, they're, they're getting a competitive bone in them, but I see, especially the younger one, when the timer runs out, it makes them mad because they're not done. They're not right. So you might invite them, go, what would this be like if you played this without the timer? And just experiment with that and see if it does it, does it feel different to you? You know, just not like saying to them, you shouldn't play with the timer. No, just say, what if we left the timer over here and we just played for the fun of it? You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a foreign concept to many people, but I swear it's the most amazing thing. And there's, there's a whole bunch of games that I found back in the day, like from the seventies, there's a book that I found. There's all these like interactive, playful games that you can do with a group of people. And none of it is keeping score. It's all about just acting out silly things and being silly. And it like taps us into being kids again. And that's where you need that. We come back to the permission again to do that. Um, and, and I tell people to try it as an experiment. It's not the be all end all. If they really feel like they need to keep score, then I, you know, I'm not going to tell them I, it's better to play than not to play at all. You know, it's better to play and keep score than not to play, but to experiment with that and just see if it feels different. And to me, it does feel different. I mean, when we're playing my husband and I like, I like heads up because it's something we can turn to each other on the couch when we're tired at night doesn't require a lot of extra effort. He just flips the app on his phone and we do, you know, which, which, which thing do we want to guess this time? Oh, let's do Broadway shows. Oh, let's do Disney parks or let's do Star Trek or whatever. And we'll guess on that topic. And, and we always end up laughing because we'll some, one or the other of us says something silly, you know, and yeah, we'll look at how many, but it, how many things we guessed, right. There is a timer on the heads up app, but it kind of doesn't matter, you know, if we only get two right in the time they give us, but we've laughed hysterically at each other, then, you know, sometimes trying to, we'll, we'll purposely go for, you know, forget the clock and just go for the thing that we don't know the answer to and just keep trying to make the person's, and that always cracks us up. So yeah. it's, it's looking for those simple ways. And that's something that fits easily into the day. You know, we're already sitting on the couch at the end of the day, watching TV or whatever to just pause the TV and do something that's more interactive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Being by yourself, it's important sometimes, but sometimes you just need that connection. You need, you need both. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I even find I'm not going to the grocery store a whole lot. 
since the pandemic, I have a lot of things delivered because in my mind, I'm justifying, well, the cost is justified by my time being away from the house, blah, 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 blah. But I really do love the old guys at the public super, supermarket. Yeah, yeah. It's just fun to connect with those old guys because most of them are veterans and you know we've got something in common. So it all comes down to finding what makes, what lights you up. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's the key. And so that's, that's why I would encourage anyone listening to really go and get those, those questions and sit with them. I mean, I know you're reading them now out loud, but to really take the time and sit with them and then look at them again a week later and see if more things come and take the time to write because when you write, it taps you in a different part of your brain. So it's really just a sense of, and you may come up with your own questions too, you know, as you're going like, like you're doing something and you could ask yourself, is there a way I can make this more fun? Or is there a way I can be more relaxed in the middle of this if you notice something stressing you out? To use the power of questions to tap you into, you know, like, what if this was easy? Or what if I had support? How would that how would that feel? And what would that look like? It's sort of like questions point your mind, when you were earlier asking, like, what's another way to get yourself out of that hard place that you're in, to ask yourself questions that lead you in a more positive direction. So rather than asking what is wrong with me? Why can't I get up the off the couch? Why am I so miserable? Those are questions that spiral you. You ask a question, your brain's going to find an answer. Your brain's kind of like a computer and it will go on the Google search for whatever question you ask it. So if you're asking a question that's like, what would be one small step I could take right now that would feel good? That's a question that's going to lead you in a better direction than what is wrong with me. So I heard you talk one time about how you hated doing the dishes. Oh, Yes. I used to hate it. Now it's just, I put on, I found a way around it that I put on upbeat music. See, there'd be my ABBA, my ABBA music. Yeah. You put on your ABBA and you know, and I I'll pause in the middle of it, dance a little and then do some more. And then I have that as a new pattern in my mind having done it so many times it sometimes I don't even have to have the music on. And in my mind, I'm unloading the dishwasher, hearing boogie down in my head. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a really great way. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at some of the things that I should do. Like my, I've cleaned up my desk, but I've cleaned it up into a little basket. So everything's uh-huh. in the basket, but now it's like, I need to put everything away. So my way of doing that is going to turn some music on. And yeah. Focus on that particular thing. Don't be so scattered that you need to do 10 things at once. Just do one, do a little, make yourself a little note. I want to do one, two things today. And then my day will be perfect. And if I can do it with joy and laughing and thinking about, you know, some silly joke, then do it. Yeah. Or even, even if laughter is not the goal, if it's soothing, you can put on relaxing music. Like yesterday, I was doing, you know, um, doing, making some changes on my website and it was something I hadn't done in a long time. And so I forgot how to do it and had to go look up the video and how to do it. And I just said, okay, what's my intention going into this? I want to just be peaceful and relaxed in it and take it one step at a time. Cause a multiple step process. And I put on some beautiful, soothing music in the background and I took a few deep breaths and I purposely would stop and breathe in the middle of it. Like I'm going to breathe. I just, I've noticed a little tension come in my shoulders. I'm like, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to relax. And 
it's a different way of moving through the day and moving through your life to move through with that kindness for yourself to do those things. Um, Because it's really easy to beat ourselves up for things and not realize we're even judging ourselves, you know? And so to just go, Oh, I'm, my intention is to have loving kindness for myself. And, you know, yes, we have to imagine giving the loving kindness that you would give to other people to you, because you're just as deserving of it. You, you are a gift in this world as much as anybody else. That is so true. And Miss Kim, our hour has flown by. I told you it would. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I want people to get a hold of you. You, um, I love what you say here, helping you help people avoid burnout and live with joy. How can folks get a hold of you? So, yeah. So the easiest way is to go to my website, joyfulbeing.com. And then just, you'll get that free 10 questions if you sign up. And then I usually send out weekly messages, which are about inspiration and hope and lifting yourself up. And, um, there, there are other ways to also, if you're a social media person, if you go to the bottom of the page and it's, you'll find in the menu at the bottom, a little social media thing, you can go to that page and find out where I am on social media. Um, I've been a little less active on that lately because it wasn't bringing me joy. <laughs> I, I gotcha. I, I, I plan to get back out there and do more of that in, in the near future. Um, but yeah, the, I, I'm pretty consistent with the email list and with those messages, just, just sending out messages to lift people up. And it's like a reminder in your inbox. Oh, right. This is important to me. You know, having some joy and some laughter is important to me. It's an ongoing just a little bit of a a gentle, loving kindness reminder. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for bringing a little joy into my life because in preparation for this, I really did laugh and I thought of some fun things and, uh, and I wrote down the list. I sat down and I started writing the list and, and that, because I don't give myself a lot of permission to think, to dream in those things. I'm, I'm busy a lot when I'm, but this, this brought me joy. And I realized that, okay, water, kids, laughing stories, family, all wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just reminding like, Oh, right. These things are, have value to me. You know, yes, there's value in getting things done, but there's also value in like swimming in a pool and feeling the water on your skin, you know? So yeah, it sure does. So thank you again so much for being my special guest on stand up and speak up. It's been a wonderful show. Have a great day up in Orlando and I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks. Thanks, Debbie. Take care. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, Make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.